And welcome, everybody, to The Whole Truth from the Bay Area, California. I am Steve Side. And from Atlanta, Georgia, I am Kurt Dupuy. So, Side, I had a lot of fun with something we did a while back, which is me trying to teach you some Cajun words. I liked it. Yeah. That was um, good. I, I don't think I was any good at it, but I was I, it in was stitches. Fun. So, um, let's be a little self indulgent, for me at least. And um, I want to teach you a couple other good Cajun words. And one of them, I actually learned something new about myself in preparation for this. So, wow. um, ready to learn some Cajun? I am. Part two. Let's do this. Part two. So, I want you to try to spell it and just take oh, a God. stab at what you think the word means. Okay, right. I, I'm 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 taking out a pen and paper because if I, I at least have to try try to get this spelling That's right. That's fair. Okay, fair. Yeah, Piro. Oh my God, Piro. So this is like one of those ones you gave me last time. So what I want to spell it is the way that you spell T row, like T row Price, which is P R O W E, and I know that can't be correct. Correct, correct. That that okay. is incorrect. <laughs> Piro, so P, P E R O H, something like that. A for effort, but not okay. even close. What is it? P I R O G U E. Oh my god! I would never. I mean, who would think about that? <laughs> it looks like pierogi. It's it's it. it kind of does look like pierogi. Yeah. So what these are are very cheaply made, can be made of wood. Most are made out of um, aluminum or some sort of metal. They're just flat bottom little boats. So you think of South Louisiana, very marshy. You need oh. something that can navigate very shallow waters to whack the alligators on top of the head with the oar, obviously. Yeah. Or to, to pet them and to treat them. Or to pet nicely. them. They eat marshmallows. They can be trained. Sure. It's no, it's, it's, I've seen it. It's, That's true. It's wild. Yes. There's, yeah. there's guys down in the hard occasion countries that will get in the water with these things, swim, feed them marshmallows, pet them, play with them as if they're pet animals. I wow. kid you not. This is a game I can't win is what we're doing here. I know. Maybe that's is why there it's anyone, so much fun. <laughs> is there anyone in our audience who have, would have gotten P-I-R-O-G-U-E, right? Or know what it is? I do. I'm glad I learned it, though, because when I think about Louisiana, I do think about somebody on, on one of those small boats out yes. on the bottom. Yeah. We're like a straw hat, white rubber boots, which are known as shrimping boots or Cajun yeah. flip-flops as they're also affectionately known. I mean, it, it completes the image of what you see like a, a Cajun from like the 19th century. Right. Can I ask you a question? So you're, you're, you're the type of person, well, I'm going to ask anyone. <laughs> I know <laughs> you're the type of person that really like, and I mean this as, as sincerely as a compliment that really everyone likes can really fit in, in most situations. Like you're a very likable guy. Thank you. I'm like, you know, I'm, I, I'd like to think I'm semi likable, but I sort of, you know, I'm this guy from New Jersey. If I went down there and I like, you know, deep by you, would would people so I assume I'd be I'd stick out like a sore thumb, but would people accept me? Would they like me? Or is it do they treat outsiders like who who stand out as as sort of are they skeptical of them? No, I think you'd definitely be embraced because I mean if you think of any poor immigrant community, there tends to be a very strong sense of family and yeah. um, taking care of each other. And that's yeah. that's still prevalent today. I would say uh, your experience would be highly influenced by how much you embrace the culture, right? Like, so yeah. you're a, you're an inquisitive, curious person. So the more you ask and the more you like enjoy yeah. the, like, the more you would be embraced. I, I think that's how yeah. that would go down. 
I love it, man. I want to do some rural Louisiana trips. Let's, I told let's you do a field I had, trip. Let's do a field trip. I would love to do that. Well, you want to record an episode like down in the bayou? Oh, that my goodness. Have some Zydeco playing in the background. Have a good yeah. Bubba, some good like Thibodeau and Boudreaux jokes teed up. That would be that would be fantastic. I got I got one more for you, and then we'll oh, jump okay. into the, today's show. But okay. you, you've heard of potatoes au gratin. Yeah, sure. Okay, so th- that's a, a butchering oh, right, of, yeah. of a good pronunciation. So that's that's a casserole dish, right? Um, yeah. But the word gratin is actually, it's, well, first of all, I'll let you try to spell that. G-R-A-T-I-N. Because there you go. You, yeah, you, okay. gave, you basically gave me You got me the one right. There you go. <laughs> well, you gave it to me, but I'll, I'll take the win considering I think I'm now one for four, You're but that's okay. You are no longer over though. Um, yeah. So- Anytime you're cooking, so a lot of Cajun food, and I tried to stay away from food, but it's inevitable that it comes back to that. There's a lot of stews and sauces and that type of stuff. So gratin is when you cook your meat at the bottom of the pot, you take the meat out, and then you scrape those little tidbits. That's where that comes from because the word gratin, it kind of means to grate or to scrape that stuff off the bottom. And then that kind of permeates the rest of, of the dish. I busted this out to um, to a financial professional in Macon who cooks competitively, and like, he he knows gumbo jambalaya. He he knows Cajun dishes very well, and then I, I dropped that knowledge bomb on him too, and I think I earned some street cred with him because I am not a prolific chef. I can I can get by, but um, it's it's a pretty crucial part of building a no dish. Is the the gratin? Well, if we do our Louisiana trip, we need to uh, beforehand go on some crazy exercise slash health trip. Because if we go down there, we're just going to eat like maniacs is what's going to happen. That's the goal. Yeah. 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 Well, so, you, you could do that afterwards. I'll keep doing my thing. <laughs> you're going to keep doing your thing. Well, I would have to prep and <laughs> you do the detox you know. afterwards. I feel like I'm learning a lot. This is, this is good about other cultures. That's the cool thing about Louisiana amongst many other things is it sort of feels like, it's another country within the country. Doesn't it feel that way? I mean, I, you know? I don't want to toot my own horn, but but I, I fully agree. South Louisiana yeah. is it's is a different entity than the South. There's some yeah. similarities, but it there, there's there's more more that's different than the same, I th- I'd say. You want to jump into the episode? So we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence today and specifically how it pertains to leadership, how it pertains to managing teams and teammates. So we're going to come back with that. This is The Whole Truth. Stick with us. The views expressed herein are those of the participants and not those of Touchstone Investments. And welcome back, everyone. So again, we're talking about emotional intelligence here. And let's start here, Kurt. What do you think about when you hear the phrase emotional intelligence? Well, before we did a bunch of reading and preparation for this, I would say, uh, because people have told me that that I have a good kind of emotional IQ or you know EQ, you emotional intelligence, um, which I I just assume just means kind of intuitive, very like good at reading social situations and adapting to them. That's yeah. But you also, you know, if I can give you a compliment, you also generally have a positive attitude and you treat people well. Is that an EQ thing, though? Sure it is. Let's actually talk about the article that we're going to cover today and then I can, I okay. can, I can bring, connect the dots there. 
So this is a Harvard Business Review article called Emotional Intelligence Has 12 Elements. Which do you need to work on? And this is from the author that basically wrote the book on emotional intelligence. And the premise is this. What most people think about with emotional intelligence is only part of the story. Holistically, if you're going to evaluate emotional intelligence, what's what's the full picture? What's the complete picture? What are people missing? Does that make sense to you? It does. The way that the author breaks down emotional intelligence is into four buckets. The first is self-awareness, which we just talked about that you had. The second is self-management. Let me describe this. Positive outlook, uh, adaptability, emotional self-control. So that's what I was just describing that you have in spades, and that's self-management. Then there's social awareness. This is kind of what you were talking about, which is your empathy and things like that. But the bigger piece that people really don't think about and gets to the heart of this article, and it's really the reason that we wanted to talk about on the podcast, was this part called relationship management. And that gets into things like influence, conflict management, teamwork, you know, being coaches and managers. So it's things like that, that people don't, you know, people don't often think about like conflict management when it comes to emotional intelligence, but that's a kind of a big part of it. Yeah. So that's what I learned going on this journey together is uh, it kind of all, it does start with self-awareness. To me, that's kind of one of the building blocks, but these four domains is a framework, is, is a helpful way to look at it in a way that I haven't looked at it before. But what, what I took away from this was the word balance and that most people tend to gravitate towards one of these four domains and they might excel at one or two of them, but likely not all four. And so balance becomes important as you look at yourself and your team with the 360 degree lens to say, you know, where are our deficiencies with these EQ type engagements? So, you know, teams that don't, for example, resolve conflicts in, a, in an amenable way. Like that's, that's not good. That, that builds toxicity over, you know, days, weeks, months, years. So the tentacles of emotional intelligence spread much further beyond just being likable. And you hit the key point, which is like, why are we thinking about this? Well, it's not because we can say, oh, I'm good at this. It's, it's identifying where we can improve, which I'm always looking to do. And I, by the way, we've been talking about this high level. I'm going to come with a story so we get into the specific here. But it was funny. You sent me a uh, a survey to take beforehand. That's a quiz. I sent you a quiz. You know, you know how I know I was not doing well on this quiz because <laughs> I found myself wanting to lie on several <laughs> of the questions. It's like, are you always positive when faced with adversity? I'm like, uh, and I hit a lot of like, there was one that was like, neither agree nor disagree. Being a hundred percent positive all the time is something that I want to strive to like that element is something I always know I need to get better at. Cause it's just, it doesn't come naturally for me to wake up and be like, yay, everything's, you know, it's something yeah, I have to work on. Well, uh, but, but talking about being positive specifically, cause that that's it. That's one of the aspects of self-management yes. is having a positive yep. outlook. I, I do want to draw a dark line, a bold line in between a positive outlook, but being able to have crappy days. And so, yeah. and, and I think, I think as wholesalers, I think as human beings, I think as spouses, you know, that vulnerability 
that's part of emotional intelligence too, is knowing that you can be vulnerable um, and that you do have people around you with which you can be vulnerable. So it, it's, right. it's not, you know, it's not the lucky charm rainbow and golden pot all the time, but it is generally having a positive outlook. All right. So it's probably good to, um, at this point, to, to, to read through a story that, or an example that the article goes through. And it says, wait, are Esther, you not going to talk yeah. about the quiz? Do you want to talk about the quiz? Yeah. Okay. How'd you, so how'd about, you score? Um, average. I scored average. So it says, did you take it by the way? You took it. I, I did. Imagine, right? I did. All right. I'll, yeah. I, I, let me see if I can pull it up. You have slight. Oh no, no, no. Hold on. You have slightly above average EQ. There you go. With, with room to cross. Now I probably lied a little bit, so let's call me average. Let's, let's take the liars buffer in this. Okay. Why don't we share this? Where, what is this quiz that maybe people could start with? Where did you find it? It's ihhp.com forward slash free dash EQ dash quiz. So it's interesting. I found myself in a different set of circumstances where I was trying not to be too overly positive. So I, I felt myself saying agree sometimes when like really, I kind of strongly agree with, with this to not seem too good at this, if if yeah. that makes sense. And so my score was an excellent EQ, which sounds great until you read the bottom said, if you scored in this range, there's a slight caveat. You are either extremely high in emotional intelligence or extremely low. <laughs> really? Is that what it says? Yeah, it says That's it, they may result they may reflect your high level of self knowledge or lack of it, since you must since you must be self aware to assess yourself accurately. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So it's like you think you're so good, you're probably not, and you have well, no idea. <laughs> yeah, and and so this is probably a good transition point. Let me read this story that the article goes through because I think it's it's probably worth bringing in now. So it talks about this person, Esther. Esther is a well liked manager of a small team. Kind and respectful, she is sensitive to the needs of others. She's a problem solver. She tends to see setbacks as opportunities. She's always engaged. She's a source of calm to her colleagues. Her manager feels lucky to have such an easy and direct report to work with and often compliments Esther on her high levels of emotional intelligence, or EI. And Esther indeed counts EI as one of her strengths. She's grateful for at least one thing she she doesn't have to work on as part of her leadership and development. And here's where it kind of changes, and this is kind of the crux of it. It's strange, though. Even with her positive outlook, Ether is starting to feel stuck in her career. She just hasn't been able to demonstrate the kind of performance her company is looking for. So much for emotional intelligence, so to speak. So you see what is getting. So this is like what we commonly think of as emotional intelligence is you're likable, you're positive, you work hard, et cetera, et cetera. Which are true. Just not the full story. The trap that ensnared Esther and her manager is a common one. They are defining emotional intelligence far too narrowly. They're focused on Esther's sociability, sensitivity, and likability. They're missing critical elements of emotional intelligence that can make her a stronger, more effective leader. And they give two examples here. And this kind of falls back into that relationship management. So here's two weaknesses that they didn't talk about. The ability to deliver difficult feedback to employees, mm -hmm. the courage to ruffle feathers and drive change, the creativity to think outside the box. So you could see right there, I'm likable. I want people to like me. I care about what people think. But maybe you're a pushover at the same time. That's right. 
there's a bigger picture here. And some of the things that you may think lead you to be this amazing, emotionally intelligent person can also be challenges on other aspects of emotional intelligence. So let's get real here for a second. Sure. The four domains as they're described in orange, the orange is just self-awareness. That's relatively self-explanatory, having a lot to do with emotional self-awareness. Yellow, they characterize self-management. They identified social awareness and blue is relationship management. So because I think one of the big takeaways for our audience is a key part of emotional intelligence is knowing where your blind spots are. So I'm going to tell you where my blind spots are. Yeah. So in self-management in yellow, there's emotional self-control, there's adaptability, there's achievement orientation and positive outlook. Mm -hmm. The achievement orientation I have some difficulty with. And as a, I I tend to be the most kind of laissez-faire salesperson and I have some, you know, kind of A-type characteristics, but I'm also pretty easygoing. And I feel like at the beginning of a year, you have a new sales goal. It's easy for that to feel crippling, and but that's an achievement, right? So rather than saying, oh, I'm just going to torch every wall and every obstacle, I kind of get micro and say, what are the, what are just the things I can do on a daily and weekly basis that are going to make me successful? So maybe that's just a different way to look at achievement, but I don't say, oh, I'm going to go out and sell a quadrillion amount of whatever. And is that problematic to you? Like, do you see that as a problem? Because when I, when I hear you speak to it and you say, hey, I've got this this sales goal, which goes up every year in our industry. That's what happens. And you're, and you're saying, okay, what can I control and what can I do on a day-to-day basis as opposed to worry about the big picture? That to me seems rational. That seems like a good way to approach it, but you're saying there's a weakness in there for you. Well, I, I guess I'm just saying that, you know, I, I don't have these big pipe dreams of what, what will be. I just, I, I try to just put my head down and control what I can control is what I'm saying. Right. You'd like to have more of the big goals and aspirations. You think that's something you can improve on? Sometimes I think I should have those. I mean, if we're just sure. totally having a therapy yeah. session here. Um, well, so listen, that's, this, that's, that's what, what this whole thing is about. It's like, what part can you improve on? Yeah. Um, I've shared what I can improve on, which is the whole, you know, the the positive outlook and, and the emotional self-awareness. Like that's something I, I always have to work on. I'm probably pretty good at the things like, you know, coach and mentor and, the, you know, that last bucket, the blue, the relationship management, the the influence, the coach and mentor, the conflicts management, the teamwork that I'm, I think I'm good at that stuff where, so it's interesting. You and I was probably why we're good complimentary uh, podcast hosts and we work well together. We have to work on what the other one is good at. It seems like. Well, and that's where I was going with the blue yeah. column and relationship management. I, I think, I think I leave something to be desired, particularly in conflict management. I, I struggle with conflicts because, you know, there, there's a few folks in, in my territory that I, I quasi manage. And when things come up, because they have, it's a delicate balance for me in between being just say, no, look, this is how it's going to be. Um, which is, is my non-emotional intelligence response versus saying, okay, what's really going on with that other person? So, so in a situation where normally I would be very empathetic and very open to whatever the other person thinks, sometimes I just want to say, no, shut up. This is how it's going to be. Well, but, and that, that's a great point though. And that's, that's what this article gets to a little bit is like, sometimes there's conflict here. You've got to have a difficult conversation and that doesn't necessarily make you likable. You know, it's almost seems like some of this, there's, 
there's a balance because they can conflict. But that's where I see kind of the idea of relationship equity coming in, right? Like if, if you are investing in other people and you are promoting, like you're going to have those times, you know what, I'm going to draw on some of that equity now because we've had all yeah. these conversations that are meant to build you up, but now it's time to kind of level set and we need to have a heart to heart. But that's that's why the relationship management part of emotional intelligence it, is so important. And, and I think an often overlooked aspect of emotional intelligence. Giving someone, you know, that fourth bucket, that relationship management, the challenging conversations, those can be received better if you get the other pieces right. Like if I, I take feedback better from people that I know are invested in me, I, I want to hear where I'm weak from people like that. You know, there's a whole, the, the article is is worth a read. There's a whole way that that they go through and we won't belabor it of what Esther can do to develop herself on the areas where she's weak. And that's probably the key takeaway of this episode is, hey, sit down, look at this framework and identify where you need to get better. Is that what you take away from this? I kind of put checks where I thought I, I was above average and I put dashes or negative signs for what I thought I could improve on. And if you want to take it a step further, you know, there's online assessments where you can sort of um, give feedback from a 360, meaning people above you, below you anonymously, which, which could be a helpful exercise for a team to take this idea of emotional intelligence and infuse it into someone's practice, which I think is the takeaway here. Absolutely. So we hope you enjoyed this review of the HBR article. We're going to come back with our Costanza Corner. This is The Whole Truth. Stick with us. And welcome back to the Costanza Corner, where we end the show on a high note. Side, you've got something for us today. I do. Um, will it surprise you if it has a dog in it? Will that surprise you or stun you at all? It would surprise me if it didn't. Uh, that's that's fair. I try not to, but I get drawn to this stuff. It's so cool. Okay. I'll just read the first paragraph. I'll just jump right into it. Dogged is a word that stubbornly means tenacious. And when it comes to devotion, there's no dog more dogged than a fluffy white pooch named Bon Cook, who patiently waited outside the doors of a hospital for almost an entire week for her uh, for her master to come what? home. So this is, yeah, it, it's, it's in some Turkish city. Here's what happens. The master got rid of Russ to the hospital. The dog followed her there. And then- and has just waited outside and people will take the dog home. Now, why the dog continues to be able to get out. Listen, I'm not I mean, you've been in developing countries. Sometimes there's dogs. Around. Yeah. I mean, it's just, but the dog keeps coming back and waiting by the hospital door the entire time the owner is in there. And then you know how the story ends. The owner gets out of the hospital. The dog is there. Um, just a heartwarming uh, story about man's best friend. You know what? Over time, you're going to slowly just, erode my wall against having a dog with young kids and I'm just going to cave because uh, I, so there's a hashtag on Twitter just called dogs, bruh, B-R-U-H. Is that right? That just shows like, the awesome stuff that dogs do. So I just recently saw one like of a dog that was a quadriplegic. It couldn't even walk. And there was a two minute, you know, short and a truncated video of like a PT, a PT vet. Is that a thing? recuperating this dog and getting oh, it yeah, to yeah. walk on a treadmill and yeah. like getting its muscles going again. And at the end of it, the dog's frolicking through the, the forest. And I'm like, yeah. gosh, dog, dogs are pretty cool. 
They they are awesome. Like, and I don't want to say everyone should have a dog because that's not true. The truth is, if you if you're not invested in it, it's the worst thing to adopt a dog and just be like, oh, I don't want it anymore. And you and we deal with those certain situations when in our volunteer work at the shelters, unfortunately. I'm sure. But for those that are committed, I mean, I don't know, man. I I could never picture my life without a dog in it. I just couldn't. But anyway, that's me. But um, I love dogs. I thought this was a great heartwarming story. I hope you guys all enjoyed it as well. This is The Whole Truth signing off. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. You can find The Whole Truth and subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. And for more episodes of The Whole Truth, go to www.touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. That's touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. All one word. Please note that this content was created as of the specific date indicated and reflects views as of that date. It will be kept solely for historical purposes and opinions may change without notice in reacting to shifting economic, market, business, and other conditions. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer and member FINRA and SIPC.